0: And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's Matt Mosley. It is Matt Mosley, the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. Proud to have Norm Hitzkus joining us now. And, uh, Norm, it's still, man, after these Cowboys wins or losses, I still find myself wanting to kind of hear what you think about them. Uh, 48 years you did it, uh, Sports Talk Radio, uh, I think we are still shocked that you retired, uh, even now at age uh, seventy-eight or seventy-nine. I don't, I do not want to age you uh, too much, but but Norm, congratulations on your retirement. But I just, um, I, I just, I, my audience needed to hear from you, especially after the Cowboys improved to two and zero. Uh, welcome to the program, sir. Well,
1: thank you, Matt, very much, and it's it is seventy-nine. And I thought uh, it was just time. Uh, I want to do a lot more traveling with my wife, Mary. Um, I do have a podcast, so I haven't stopped working entirely, Matt. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's five days a week, so (laughs) (laughs) that takes a little work. but, But, Matt, you know, my podcasts are maybe... Six or eight minutes long. Matt, I'm, I really admire people that can do 35 minutes and uh, even hope to be moderately interesting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you've listened to the Doomsday podcast that your buddy Frito produces, yeah. but uh, Werner and Werder. I try our best yeah. to be compelling, in, um sometimes it gets into an hour Sometimes Worder, after about a fourteen-hour day, is a little frustrated, but he, yet he always shows up. And uh, you would think this is his main source of income. How much feedback and how much, uh, how much I hear from him. So he is, uh, he has embraced podcasting as well as all his ESPN work. But uh, Norm, it's uh, well, so look, what? You, at, go ahead. Look at it this way, Matt. If you do thirty-five minutes in one
1: day. And I do seven minutes, five different days. It's the same amount of
0: time, pal. (laughs) In your podcast, for people that want to hear that, just wondering, um, and kind of a double meaning, you love to travel. You obviously still have a passion for sports. I heard the other day, boy, you were sounding off on something the Cowboys were up to because I was at Fritos the other day. But your podcast, I mean, how does it, does it, um, lots of travel, and and what do you find yourself uh, talking about most days? Is it trips coming up, trips you've taken, things you would like to do? What what are you, uh, what's your podcast mostly about? Matt, it mixes all sorts of things. Um, Obviously,
1: my life is sports, so about Three segments of the week will be sports, and and then there are loads of other things to wonder about in this world. Matt, I mean, funny things, weird things, uh, serious things, and I'll just I'll just I'll wander around the landscape. And yes, by the way, travel. Uh, Mary and I did our first duo podcast last tuesday on belize and we've got another another one coming up on new zealand and then pretty soon we'll cover iceland and scotland the galapagos and easter island and
0: switzerland and just places we love to go are are people still asking you to make your picks picks of the poll became a huge thing um you would do it on the air at the ticket um, and, and some of us who kind of liked, enjoyed that of course, paid the premium to get all the picks. And then I remember, I mean, I, that's kind of how I learned about betting on sports was hearing you when you, when Norm Hiska said it was a triple play, boy, that grabbed everybody's attention. And of course you did, you knew how to bet the horses as well. Uh, handicapping out there at, at you know, and boy, you and Galloway had that passion, um, it just—it was really—I mean—it's just fun. Uh, how much of that are you still kind of watching, and do you still because there's a, there was a huge demand for your thoughts in that area over the years. Well, we are are charging
1: for the picks now. It's a very moderate amount. Uh, yeah, we're charging $125 for the entire football season, and the picks get emailed to you every Friday. And if if anybody's, if everybody, anybody'd like that information, you can go to the website justwonderingpodcast.com. Um, and they, they go out every Friday. And, um, we had one double play this weekend and happened to be the Cowboys. Um, and it, it's just fun to do, but it, as you well know, Matt, it takes a lot of work to go through a sheet of games and to do histories and and trends and things like that so I, I almost hate to charge, but we have to monetize something for the work to be done
0: yeah and uh and boy your our our friend Frido has uh worked with you for years on that front, but uh that that's just I mean, when when did your love, you've had a love of sports, I know, since you were a kid, but the the horses and the sports handicapping, that part of it, who was like your biggest mentor in that area, and like, when did that passion start? Did that get passed down to you by somebody in your family? How did you develop? Because you've always had this huge knowledge of sports, but then the, the handicapping area, I mean, you beat everybody to the punch. Now everybody wants to do this right even ESPN has jumped in but you've of course been doing this for 40 or 50 years now
1: yeah as a matter of fact I I did um picks for ESPN in the early 90s on college game day um and then did horse racing analysis for them for several years for horse racing for me started when I was uh a teenager my folks didn't have any money at all. Um, you know, I, everybody says they were raised poor. I was raised poor. Um, and, and our entertainment wound up being going to the races and betting $2 or $4 on a race. Um, football, the, the guy of this, you don't know this name at all, um, Matt, uh, his name is Bud Goody. And Bud Goody was next gen stats forty five years ago. <laughs> he did breakdowns on the NFL that were so far before his time. It was like it was like Gil Branson Scouting, if you will. And I was lucky enough to work for ABC in Los Angeles for a year and met Bud and then would go over to his house to watch football games on, on Sunday. And back then, I I think Bud was the only person I knew that had four TV sets in his living room. Uh, and he would have them all on four different games, and we'd sit there. The game started, of course, in Los Angeles at (laughs) 9 in the morning, so it began (laughs) with coffee, (laughs)
0: that. Did it end with coffee? (laughs) I know. It did not end with coffee. (laughs) Norm Hitzkiss joining the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. Now, I started listening to you when you were at KLIF, and you were there for, what, 15 years before, and you were not dying to go to the ticket. Things ended up going that direction. But, man, every morning, uh, listening to you, my little sister, you know, would would have to, because you came on pretty early, and so that was on the jam box, and we had to share a bathroom as kids, and that was it, man, 6 or 6.15, whatever time it was, It was norm every morning, so it was a real thrill later when you and I got to become friends and you were a mentor for me and called over the morning news to Dave Smith and said, I don't know what this guy can do, but I think he might be able to help you in some respect. And that that helped launch my career. But boy, those KLIF days, you had a lot of fun, and it was just always amazing to me that you could do that alone. Like, you never were, you were kind of a lone wolf. In later years, they put somebody with you at the ticket, Donovan and all that. And you did, You I'm sure, enjoyed that. But still, you were very comfortable alone. And it was kind of like the audience, and you had great guests. But how did you get so comfortable just doing a show alone? Because, boy, that, that took me a long time to ever feel I don't know if I still do feel comfortable doing that but how, where where did how did that kind of start for you and how did you how did you get to that
1: Man I got my start in public radio uh at KERA uh doing an hour every morning, every Friday morning called the KERA Sports Spectacular I think it was probably pretty named pretty well badly named given the (laughs) amount of content we had. But anyway, that's neither here nor there and public radio. There are no breaks, Matt. When you do an hour in public radio, you do an hour buddy. (laughs) And you figure your own segues and what you want to talk about. And by the end of the show, you've exhausted seven or eight pages of yellow pad paper. And, um, but, that that got me so comfortable doing that show alone. Now, mm. it, as the years went on, I added co-hosts, but their job was simply to look at me with a, a scrunched-up face, saying, "Hey, we've heard enough of this. Move on." Um, and, but I like working alone. I I have to tell you, Matt, I love Donovan Lewis. I I do. He's a wonderful dear friend. He was fantastic to work with for years and years. Cause we started out doing the cowboy post game show
0: together mm-hmm.
1: and then did the talk show together. So that by the time I retired, I'd worked for Don with Donnie for, Oh, Matt, 16 or 17 years. Um, but, Man, you you know this. You do a talk show. You've been a talk show host now for a while. Being a talk show host is a privilege. It's not a job. It's a privilege. Somebody wants you to go on the air and express opinions. Give, hopefully, insight. Give, hopefully, analysis. And, and some days, a lot of days, you're a kind of social psychologist. When people are down, you have to work the way back up. And sometimes when they're too far up, you have to work the way back down. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a joy and it's an honor because, I mean, in a city like Dallas, Matt, How many people would love to be a sports talk show host in Dallas?
0: Mm -hmm. Oh,
1: my Lord. And to have that honor for 48 years was just, it was just fantastic.
0: You know, I liked your Cowboys things you would always do on your show. Five things you may not have noticed. And I could always imagine you were there with your legal pad I think that's why I still use a legal pad it's probably because of you. Um but it just it just um that was a cool thing because it was a different it wasn't just reacting to oh, as you see this touchdown, but it was like a penalty or something that happened that the fans may not have noticed that ended up playing a big role in the game. And I bet your mind yeah. still works like that when the Cowboys are beating the Jets in a 13 to 10 uh thirty to ten. I, I bet you I bet that's still kind of going around in your mind. Like, okay, here are, here are the things I noticed that probably other folks may have missed. And um and I I always thought that was a, a fun and interesting angle. And, and and to the point where when I was with the morning news, I would try to write something similar. We called it something else, but that it kind of is what inspired me. But when did you when did you kind of start do, doing that and was that uh, was that something that just came to you at some point or did somebody else give you that idea?
1: Well, you, you've got to try to um, you've got to try to be different at times. and sometimes all that difference is is repackaging certain things. and sometimes as in this case, five key plays you may not remember, Made um, an impact on yesterday's mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. That that segment um, was just. I was sitting around one morning thinking, how do I, how do I repackage that game? Because you're you're right, Matt. I sit there and Matt. I was at the stadium yesterday in the seats, and I had my yellow pad with me. <laughs> and I, and people around me thought what is this? Because they didn't know me. There were a couple of Jets fans sitting to my right. And by the way, Jets fans sitting to my left. And I think they thought, what kind of nut is this? Because I'm writing down every play. But as I go through the game, I'll put dots or stars next to plays saying, wait a minute, see, see if that meant something. Um, the, for instance, the first play, Defensively, the Cowboys game yesterday, I thought was really significant. The Jets tried to run to their left, and DeMarcus Lawrence broke in and just smashed Brees Hall. I mean, smashed him for a four-yard loss. And I put stars next to that because the Jets game plan yesterday was... Run a football play defense, run a football play defense, run a football play defense. Don't let Zach Wilson play a big role in the game. And what happened was the Cowboys just smashed the running game of the Jets immediately. And what did the Jets do then? They stopped running. Brees Hall mm-hmm. had nine yards yesterday, Dalvin Cook had seven yards yesterday. Last week against the Bills, Brees Fall ran for 127 yards. Yesterday against the Cowboys, he ran for 13. And for the second week in a row, the leading rusher against the Cowboys was the other team's quarterback. And that's really good news for the Cowboys' defense. Because if quarterbacks are running for their lives, Mm -hmm. that tells you what's happening in their offenses. And, we... But a play like that, um, mm-hmm. now, when Sauce Gardner dropped the interception yesterday, mm. huge play. But people will remember that play. What, what they won't remember, maybe, is when Lamb fumbled the ball and Tyler Biotish, the Cowboys center, hustling 25, 30 yards downfield recovers the ball in the middle of the Jets defense. Mm. That was a pure hustle play. And and the Cowboys keep the ball, the Cowboys score. Well, I don't know if these plays changed the outcome, but I do know one thing that after that first play, when Brees Hall got his bejeevers knocked out of him, I think the, the, the Jets coaches may have said, you know, I don't know if we're going to be able to pull off this run plan today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that's, that's what Brees said after the game. He said, well, we gave up on it. And you're right. They probably were like, okay, this isn't going to happen. And uh, we'll see. I mean, it's hard for me as great as they look right now, Norm. And that's one thing you did well. You or so well you saw the greatness of those Cowboys teams and then it kind wow. of sits at some point after 30 years nearly 30 years of them not being in an NFC title game it's hard to you can, we all we we sort of already know the ending to this story but yet you know every time you did the show you never approached it that way because you knew you know you can't fans have to at least have some hope we can sometimes get cynical in the media but as long as they have to play the 49ers, um, <laughs> it, does, it doesn't It does seem like they're ever going to get past it. But then each year, of course, is a different thing. And, of course, it's like the Rangers. I mean, the, the Rangers in 2010 and 2011. I mean, Norm, it was for all of us that have watched it and grown up on it. And you called those games in the early days yeah. of like HSE. I mean, you, you know, it was great. You get to see. I mean, you did, you did all those games. That was a. Unbelievable moment and opportunity for the Rangers. So, um, and I don't even know, Norm, right now, the Rangers, uh, it's a, who knows what they'll do. What what a crazy situation with their pitching staff in their bullpen. But it is nice that they've at least been in the running and that they have a shot at the playoffs. Because, well, Norm, how many years did we go where that wasn't the case? Many, many years.
1: All... all f- well, not all fans. All fans want a
0: championship.
1: Um, fans get discouraged when games mean nothing. The Mavericks' season last year was a terrible season. It was terrible. Uh, I mean, they 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 tank to get a draft position. They they make a trade for Kyrie Irving, and he and Luka Doncic just don't look like they fit together. The Rangers go into these playoff games, and they're a playoff contender about five or six years, and suddenly, I mean, they step off a cliff for about four or five years. And the Cowboys, man, I I still believe the best run of years I've ever seen was the Cowboys in the early 90s. That team was incredible. And what made them even more incredible was how good the NFC was back then. The Giants had won Super Bowls. The Redskins had won Super Bowls. The 49ers had won Super Bowls. The Eagles, the Saints, the Rams were contenders. Minnesota was a contender. To be the the winner of the NFC and then the winner of the Super Bowl, that was fantastic. Now, can this Cowboy team give their fans that kind of season? Well, you're right. They haven't gotten past San Francisco, and they haven't gotten past San Francisco because the offense couldn't generate points. The defense against San Francisco the last two years was good enough to win those games. Mm-hmm. The offense wasn't. Now, the offense is different now. They, Dak Prescott had a dreadful year last year 15 interceptions. They can't have that again. And the, the Cowboys have moved to change that. They're not asking Prescott to make downfield decisions anymore. It's one, two, throw the ball. And, and, hey, the Cowboys now are content with a three yard completion. Now it's not very exciting. Mind you. I think the Jets by far had the most exciting play yesterday. A 68 yard touchdown pass. Mm -hmm. That was the one play the Jets had yesterday. But I think people must understand, I think the Cowboys are being really honest with themselves this year. Number one, they're going to win because of defense. I mean, no offense to the offensive side of the ball, but they're going to win because of defense. The offensive side of the ball is incredibly fragile. If they should lose Pollard to injury, If they should lose Lamb to injury, God help them if they should lose Dak to injury, but if they should lose Zach Martin to injury, I mean, there's a tremendous amount of fragility in the offensive side. And as such, Cowboys are just trying to possess the ball, help their defense out and take advantage of opportunities, which is what they did yesterday. They kicked about 28 field goals yesterday. Um. Uh, and, and I know Cowboy fans are, oh, gee, our red zone offense, Our, our red zone, we weren't very good in the red zone offense. Hey, you had five drives of 11 plays or more, and you scored 30 points on a Super Bowl-level defense. That was a good day yesterday, man.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, you're right and the coach said, you know, the uh, red zone, they need to they need to get on the guy that was calling those red zone plays. So Mike was having a little fun after the game. Norm, it's uh, it's great to catch up with you. You uh I just have loved that we didn't even talk about your NFL draft coverage. There's no way to ever emulate or replace that at the ticket. They'll try their best, but what you did uh no one else in the country tried to do. Uh, or 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 executed it like you did. So uh, we're just so happy for you, and uh, but I also happy you're continuing to do a podcast, do your picks, all of that, and uh, appreciate the the time today. It's, uh, you've been a great uh, mentor and, and friend of mine for many many years, and I appreciate you doing this. Thank you,
1: Matt. As a matter
0: of fact, I'm going to continue to do the draft for the ticket.
1: Oh, my goodness. Let me do the draft, <laughs> NFL, and the NBA draft, uh, uh. Uh, which – do you have time for a 30-second story? Yes. Okay. It was 1986. I went to Dan Bennett, the general manager, and said, I think we got to broadcast the draft. And Dan said, what? I said, so I think we are got to broadcast the draft. He said, all of it? I said, yeah. She said, oh, well, okay, if you think so. So I called the NFL and I said, can I come up and do the draft? Oh, no problem. Come on up. We'll get you a seat on, the, on one of the press row seats and there'll be a telephone right there for you to phone in your reports. And I said, no, no, I want to broadcast the draft. And the guy said, all of it? And Matt, back then there were 12 rounds in, in just two days. And I said, yeah, all of it. And, Matt, there was about a three or four second pause where I I got the impression he was trying to figure out a good reason to say no. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he couldn't come up with one. And we've been doing the draft ever since.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. You and Dr. Z and the gang were up there doing some incredible. And that might have been... Uh, what, Mike Sherrard, the ill-fated Cowboys oh. wide receiver in the first round who would go on to break his leg twice. Is that about the time they took Sherard? Oh, there, there are so many <laughs> stories. Uh, one
1: day, it's, it's the second day of the draft. It's about the 10th round. I'm doing the draft alone. I'm tired. My voice is wearing out. And my friend from our lad's draft guide, The the late Jim Sabo is sitting right next to me. Now, he doesn't go on the air, but he's sitting right next to me because we're friends. And I think it was Atlanta announced they had taken Walter Sutton, a wide receiver from, I think, Minnesota State or some little school like that. And Jim just dropped his head in his hands. And I thought, (laughs) oh, there's a story here. I said, Why don't we take a break here? I'll be right back with more coverage of the draft on, on KLF. I turned to Jim, and I said, what's the story? Why did you drop your hands, head in your hands? He said, that, that guy, Walter Sutton, that was just taken? I said, yeah. He said, he's in jail. <laughs> I, I said, what? I said, well, I'm thinking maybe it's something, not to diminish this, but maybe it's something like DUI or something like yeah. that. I said, what's he in for? He said, he's in the federal penitentiary. He's a cocaine dealer.
0: <laughs> 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 the, the, scout for the, Falcon, the scout for the Falcons had filed
1: a really good report and hadn't gone back to check on him. And, you know, in the Falcons room, they said, hey, anybody got a player out there? You'd like to take him the tenth around here. Oh, yeah, take Walter Sutton. <laughs> and and then you know, Matt, that little transactions area in the newspaper, yeah, in the very fine print. About two days after the draft, a very fine print it said, the "Atlanta Falcons have released Walter Sutton." <laughs> <laughs> It was the only it, release
0: it, he got for nine years, Matt. <laughs> he, he, is, he was like Sam Heard before Sam Heard. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> he was released. oh, I love it. I love it. Well, Norm, thank you so much. Great to visit with you, and uh, look forward to talking to you soon. Hey, take care of yourself, Matt. You bet. There he goes, Norm Hitskus. Uh, my great friend and mentor, and a radio legend, did it for 48 years in the uh, Metroplex. Great.